Hello, everyone. Welcome to Woke History. Uh, I'm Cynthia Gao. I'm Nikki. And uh, we kind of organically came up with this idea um, just through hanging out. And Mm -hmm. uh, we used to have salons where basically people of color would get together and talk about current events and what we were going through. Um, And then after the election happened, then it was, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, we were in fear. You know, I think for me, I was very, very afraid of what tomorrow uh, would hold. And um, I'm still afraid. And, um, so I guess we all just started reaching out to each other, um, specifically uh, people of color. was just like, we have to do something because uh, we're on the chopping block, literally. Mm. <laughs> so this is we started to just meet up. Um, and just have conversations about what we can do to essentially protect ourselves. Yeah. And, um, and make then, sure we're not harmed in our own nation. Right. And then through that, we started just like learning about each other's histories. Yeah. And I'm Chinese. Um, and so I, I f- felt like it was the first time that we were kind of sharing yeah. f- facts about like our culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh my God, we had no idea. Why don't we learn any of this in school? Yeah, like just in our conversations, we were learning a lot about each other. And um, if you didn't know, I am African Americanist. <laughs> <laughs> um, also known as Negro, also known as Black. <laughs> um, and we were just sharing information about each other's culture and we just did not know this. And then, we, and then it got to the point where we were just like, why isn't this in history books? This is important. Right. And then we realized, oh, okay, we're not white. <laughs> That's why you don't know this. So that's essentially why we wanted to start this podcast, to just basically share history about Americans um, that is not put in our history books. Right. And it like it, I felt like it was uniting, too. It was like, yeah. oh, we've, we have so much of the similar experience. Mm-hmm. But, like, because, you know, historically, I think sometimes our communities can be not getting along or pitted yeah. against each other well, or whatever. Yeah, definitely played against each other. Yeah. And also it can help, like, history not repeat itself. Because exactly. Because it currently is. And... Uh, the public school systems are fighting to keep this history out. There was a 2015 uh, battle that Texas won that is keeping Jim Crow and the KKK out of history books. And they are downplaying the role of slavery into the Civil War. Yes, they're trying to make us uh, immigrants. (laughs) (laughs) Immigrants that came here unwillingly (laughs) and were slaughtered and raped. But we're immigrants. (laughs) So they're trying to make that a thing. But thankfully, shout out, I forget her name, but shout out to the mother on Facebook who, because they actually printed the history books. Right. And she was, she was going over her, uh, her child's uh, history lesson and she just flicked to she flipped to the part the part she flipped to the part where it was talking about uh, slavery and she was mm-hmm. just like I noticed there was no mention of it and then she was just like I was going through the pages and I realized that that black man that was dressed <laughs> up in like this uh, African guard was supposed to be um, was, was a slavery <laughs> section and so she was reading it and then she was like reading it on Facebook live and like mm-hmm. sharing it and like everybody was like outraged mm-hmm. and she's just like this is why you know and and I'm not I'm not coming after any parent who can't sit down with their kids and literally go over their homework because I grew up in a single parent home. Mm-hmm. So it was very hard for my mom to sit down with uh, three of my sisters and just go over everybody's, mm-hmm. you know, so there were a lot of times we were helping each other mm-hmm. and you know, when you, when you're doing it all, you can't do it all. So right. I'm not getting on any parent who can't, but the lady was encouraging parents to get into your kids homework mm-hmm. because you don't know what's being taught at their schools mm-hmm. until you like see their lessons. And she was just like, I can't believe she's cause she was like, normally, you know, I'm the, while he's 
he's doing his homework. I'm making dinner. So I'm not really looking, but he needed help. Mm -hmm. And she looked at the book and she was just like, oh my God. Yeah. They're making us immigrants. And so that's, um, that started in uh, Texas, removed those books Mm -hmm. that they had already printed. And then they um, turned us into a happy slave. (laughs) So we're still slaves. But the picture of the guy, he's very cheerful about it. He's very cheerful. I'm about to be lynched. So, you know. So, oh, He's Texas. Like, I got free room and board. <laughs> That's why we call our show Woke History. Reclaiming our history. Yes, reclaiming our time. <laughs> Thank you, Maxine Waters. Yes, reclaiming our history. Because you don't, we, you don't know about that. We're left out of uh, the history books, and we essentially, of our cultures, mm. hello, built this nation. Yes. So uh, we shouldn't be left out. We should uh, be... We, we should be a lesson. We should be more than a lesson. We should be a few lessons. We should be um, we should be a center part of our American history, and we're not. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're doing this. Yes. Moving on. Moving on. Hot, Hot topics. topics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have a hot topic you want to talk about? Yes. Yes, I do. Actually, uh, my hot topic is very depressing. It's about Harvey Weinstein yes. and um, how he started this whole... Um, not how he started, but he essentially started this, uh, this sexual harassment and sexual assault outing in Hollywood that is um, way overdue. Uh, basically, Harvey Weinstein is part of the Weinstein Company. Him and his brother created it, and it's a huge powerhouse out here in Hollywood. Um, he was known to be a bully, but nobody knew that he was uh, a man who sexually assaulted women and who harassed women. But so far, a lot of women have come out to talk about it. And um, with that, with the, a lot of top white actresses have come out and said something. And with that, a lot of other women have felt empowered because these powerful women are speaking out against a man that was um, believed to be somebody unstoppable. So with that, a lot of women and men are now coming out Mm -hmm. and talking about the sexual harassment and the sexual assault that they have received from a huge Hollywood players. Um, but what I wanted to talk about is how when Lupita Nyong'o, she mentioned her, um, she she mentioned that Harvey Weinstein sexually harassed her. And when she mentioned it, she received no support, no support. And he came out, uh, and he came out immediately and said, I didn't do that. I don't recall that. And I just thought, wow, women, white women, powerful white women are sharing their stories about how Harvey Weinstein sexually harassed them. And here comes this black woman who is, in my in my eyes, a powerful woman in Hollywood as well. And she speaks up and there's no support. Mm-hmm. So essentially her story has died out. And I think that's, that's one of the issues that I have with the women's movement is that it's not inclusive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't include uh, people of color women. And it's, and it's just really, it's really sad to see someone who wanted to join in, not like join in to be like a part of the babysitters club but just like this happened to me too Mm -hmm. so i'm using my voice to give support and to also encourage other women to do that as well and i'm immediately um and she's immediately silenced and shut down and it was just really unfortunate but um i wanted to share a quote from jane fonda her and gloria steinem were on all access with chris hayes and she even she and she stated that part of the reason that Weinstein's accusers are getting so much attention is because they're famous and white. It feels like something has shifted. It's too bad that it it's too bad that it's probably 
It's too bad that it's probably because so many of the women that were assaulted by Harvey Weinstein are famous and white, and everybody knows them. This has been going on a long time to black women and other women of color, and it doesn't get out quite the same. Lupita Nyong'o is a huge example of that because we saw her right in front of our faces. Like, she Mm -hmm. spoke out, and nothing happened. You know, there's no, like, Vanity Fair or Vogue covering it. There's no W Magazine putting her on the cover looking strong as she shares her story. And this is what happened to all the other actresses who came out. So it's just really disappointing that um, even in something like this, people of color women do not even get the support that we desperately need. Right. When all of the other actresses came out and said something, he was silent. It wasn't until she came out that he, like, rose out of his gooey swamp (laughs) abode or whatever he's in um, to say something and actually refute specifically only her story. And it's like a press. He released a press release like, oh, I didn't do that. And she had the same story. Right. The same story, the same behavior, did it in front of his children. And it's like nothing. Crickets. Mm-hmm. And it's Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. She's going to be in one of the biggest in- movies ever. Right. Black Panther. Hello. Like, right. listen to this girl. But no. That's it's a, not important. It's kind of mirrored what happened with Rose McGowan when she came yes. out on Twitter. And mm-hmm. like she had... A ton of support, and I was yes. really happy that she was like, um, you know, voicing mm-hmm. her story and getting a lot of support. Probably for like the first time mm-hmm. since it happened to her. Also, she had like a, a, a deal where she couldn't talk yeah. about it. But um, then there was like a hashtag like Rose Army and stuff like yes. that. Um, and they even decided uh, to leave Twitter. I was I, like, I'm not going nowhere. I know, but that that's why I want to bring that up because yeah. like they boycotted Twitter on Friday, yeah. but then a lot of women of color were like. Um, where was this when Leslie Jones was going through Thank Twitter? You. Because the only reason mm-hmm. they boycotted Twitter is because Twitter suspended Rose for a day yes. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, which was wrong. Which, which was, was definitely wrong. Definitely. Um, because they were like, she said someone's address or something. Or, or no, no, someone's phone number. Or she had some sort of she, detail. What, I didn't agree with what she did either. But she was a victim and she was explaining her situation. And she was taken down faster than a Nazi. A right. verified Nazi. And, Hello, Twitter. Well, it was hypocritical of Twitter because there was another tweet where someone listed actually like 31 addresses of yes. something. And that person didn't mm-hmm. get suspended. So mm-hmm. obviously it was very questionable. But... Um, yeah, there wasn't that support for at all. women of color never. on Twitter. It's never, we never get that support. <laughs> but our bodies and our voices are always used. Even our work is taken. Sometimes our voices and the things that we create, and this leads me to, um, what is her name? This leads me to Tarana Burke. She actually created the Me Too hashtag. Mm-hmm. She started it um, like right around the time that Harvey Weinstein, all that information about him came out. And there were a lot of people specifically men, mainly men, who were saying that, oh, we don't believe it, we need all this proof or whatever. And she started the Me Too hashtag on Twitter to say that this happens to every woman. Mm -hmm. And just to, you know, share her story and to allow other women to share that. She encouraged other women to share their story using the hashtag as well. However, someone took a screenshot of her tweet, cut her face out of it, cut her Twitter, Twitter name? Yeah, cut her Twitter name out of it and her face and I guess the screenshot was making the rounds, and Melissa, Alyssa, Melissa Milano, Melissa Milano, Alyssa, pick, Alyssa, Alyssa Milano, Alyssa Milano picked it up, and she shared it, and she was like, "This was sent to me from a friend. Share your stories and use the hashtag Me Too," and it blew up. 
So wow. she watched her work her pain be Columbus by a, a white female celebrity who had so many, you know, more followers than her. And it just took off. It was in magazines. You know, everybody was applauding Alyssa Milano. And, I'm, and she's just sitting there just like, oh, no, this happened to me. I started this and I shared this because I wanted to encourage other women. And it was taken from wow. me. And still to this day, she has not, you know, received that recognition. That credit? Wow. And it's not like she even wanted it, but she's just like, I started this right. to help. <laughs> and look what happened. <laughs> it was just taken and somebody else was made a hero. Same I'm, thing with Lapita. It's just like she shared her story to help. And it was just like, mm -hmm. okay, no, we're going to go here with Reese Witherspoon, <laughs> who said that something may have happened. And it's just like, uh. Until you said that, I thought. Alyssa Milano yeah. started that because nope. that's what I was seeing on Twitter. Wow, nope. that is sad. And then did you see Rose McGowan like 24 hours after Rose's Army started or something like that? She um, likened James oh, Corden's girl. jokes about women yeah. to the end. Like, you're like <laughs> what always... if women were replaced women with the N word? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, she got a huge backlash, but then yeah. she deleted that tweet and mm -hmm. didn't say sorry. She was like, oh, yeah. I get drunk. Yeah, that was her apology. And, yeah. it was, and then, like, hashtag Rose Army. I'm like, stop doing that. <laughs> you are wrong. Do not give yourself a hashtag. I don't know what it is with non-black people who, whenever they feel threatened or in a corner and they want to retaliate or they want to seem strong, they use the N-word as a way to, like, this is how it makes me feel. And I'm like... You are not black. You don't know how that makes us feel. So stop trying to use that as a way to weigh some kind of pain. Mm -hmm. Take from your own pain and use that. Mm -hmm. stop. It's always the N-word. This is like being called the N-word. This is what it feels like being an N-word. No, you don't know what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Don't use it. But it's always used because I guess, you know, it brings a lot of attention and it's something that we're very vocal about. But I just hate that that is always used by, like, non-black disadvantaged communities to be mm -hmm. like this is how it feels mm -hmm. <laughs> just ask the negroes <laughs> like no don't use us right. we can't, and i think that's the problem why we don't why we can't have unity between disadvantaged communities and uh, just speaking of america because there's these there's a level of disrespect that happens across the board there's so much uh, offense that happens even when we try to do something and we don't realize mm -hmm. that we have a lot of bias and, you know, um, a lot of things that we use against each other that we don't realize. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the, oh, well, I'm disadvantaged as well, so it's not, you got to cut me some slack, you got to give me a break. No, it hurts coming from somebody who's just, you don't have to be white to use the N-word to offend me, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we could just work through those avenues mm -hmm. and just realize that these things have been used, like we said before, uh, to put us against each other, but also recognize that that still hurts. Even if it's not coming from a white person, I hate that white people are made to be like this, oh, if they do it, it's wrong. If anybody who is not of that culture, not of that family does it, it's mm -hmm. wrong. And so I, I get where she was coming from. And I hate the fact that I always have to understand. Right. But, like, I get where she was coming from, but it was just so wrong. And then her apology or lack of apology after it was just like, this is why we can't work together. <laughs> like, yeah, this is I why know. we can't do it it's because so you have exhausting. no remorse. It's like, oh, I didn't mean it. It's okay. I was drunk. No, own it. Right. Own it. Right. And just be like, I was wrong. I, I'll never do it again. How can I do better? Yes. That would have been perfect. Right. And it would have been within 140 characters at the time. <laughs> but no, I was drunk. Thanks, right. Rose. Right. Hashtag Rose Army. <laughs> yes, thank you. At the time of this recording, Roy Moore oh. allegations against him have come out. Um, 
a 14-year-old came out with her story saying that when she was 14, Roy Moore, who was 32 at the time, approached her, asked for her number, took her out. On their second day, he drove her to a cabin and took off her pants, took oh. off her shirt, touched her over her underwear, and she was like, oh, I, I don't want to do this. I want to get out of here. And he actually was um, had like left the room and came back like only wearing his tidy whities uh. um, And he tried to guide her hand to touch him, and she's like, no, take me home. And, and he did, but um, he would... And they, I think she stopped seeing him, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, the trauma was there and she said like, you know, she's like 53 and when she saw him on a good morning America, uh. she threw up. Um, so <sighs> there are three other teenage women in this article and he kind of all had the, he would, uh, you know, dress nicely and go to the mall and he would just by himself walk around the mall. And that's where he would pick up a lot mm. of these women in this article like this one woman she's like when I was 14 I was um, in Santa's village I was an elf and that's when he approached me and said that I was pretty and um, and this other woman who worked at the mall like her mom worked at one of the booths and he approached her there Mm -hmm. and so and uh, uh, most of the women were like oh I was flattered to let an older man you know because that's how we're raised exactly that's how we're raised exactly so sick and we're also raised to think that like these 14 year old girls or younger are sexual beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had um, the girl that plays Eleven, I think, on Stranger <gasps> Things. I saw that. She was listed on Maxim's like top uh, 100 sexiest women, and she's not even a woman yet. It's so gross. I saw that. Um, but also, Roy Moore's campaign is like um, saying. Well, wait, why is this coming out now? Mm-hmm. You know, it's really suspect that she waited all this time. And, like, if this were actually true, then she would have come out a long time ago when he was running um, against Lucas Strange. But why is it co- it's really suspect that it's coming out before he's, like, running for this, like, Senate Here's seat? when it's coming out. It's coming out. And, and I think it's also because of, because of Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. I think the yeah. atmosphere is totally shifted where, like, actually um, survivors – or I don't know if there's a better term to call them, um, mm-hmm. but are actually being heard, and there's actually consequences and from these stories. Strength at this point because it's something that's being talked about and taken seriously. Yes, you know these men are actually losing their positions mm-hmm. and losing their power. Mm-hmm. And when you're a victim, you don't want to you don't want to come out because you get you you don't want to come out because you get victimized all over again. Mm-hmm. You get victimized by their fans. You get victimized by the constituents and people who support them. But when you see that there's probably a change in the society, mm-hmm. you just say, listen, I'm going to take my chances. Right. And if it happens, it happens. But I, I think for a lot of these women, although they're still victims, it's some sort of, um, I don't know, some sort of victory to see that the person mm-hmm. who harmed you is finally being taken to task for right. that actual harm. So, right. Listen, I support it. More women come out. Yeah, I don't I care know. what the time women, is. Women, men, your age, Yes, women, men, whatever. Ever yeah, get it. Because it's out. a burden off of them as yes. well. Like, it's part of the healing process. Yeah, and, and you don't like, have to live with that shame because that's what they do. They try to make you feel like you made me do this. Right. Or if you tell people, they'll think of you like this way. So you walk with that shame. Right. So um, I'm just happy that the, the environment is has made it easier now for people to i mean it's not as easy but at, at least they're getting some kind of power right um to be able to speak out and actually see the their um their predators being taken down yes and the, like i thank you for the to the men and the women who are coming forward because yes. that is very brave yeah. um and also the republicans 
are kind of split on the Rory Moore issue. They're like some of them, Mitch McConnell <laughs> is like, you need of to course. like stand down. But of course, they him and Mitch McConnell had a contentious relationship. But all, all of these, and some people are defending Rory Moore, of course. But um, in all of their like statements, or a lot of them, they're saying if these allegations are true, that's yeah. always the justifying tag. It's but like, if- yeah, it's like can, it's a constant like not believing of women yeah, um, mm-hmm. of this. Um, but also, not only that, um, one of his defenders used the, invoked the Bible oh. and said, <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with it because Joseph was an adult ca- carpenter and Mary was a teenage bride. Yeah. And they gave birth to Jesus. So uh, that w- that was so disrespectful on so many <laughs> levels. Somebody it, tweeted him back and was just like, "Are you using Jesus to um, are you justify using Je- justify child?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, "Oh no, no, no!" But and, I'm like, "That's essentially what you did, right?" And the whole story is God having immaculate conception. Yeah. Joseph didn't. It's have it's sex it's with her. not surprising to me as someone who grew up in the church that that's being used mm-hmm. or that the the party of Christian values is supporting that because there are so many predatory men and women in the church and mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of the times the Bible is used uh, to justify that predatory behavior. And um, mm-hmm. it's something, I, I mean, I, it came out years ago with, with the Catholic Church and the altar boys, but I mean, it happens, it happens in the Christian church as well. So there needs mm-hmm. to be, maybe somebody will start speaking up about that because I have witnessed, um, I, I have witnessed some real predatory things going on with uh, younger mm-hmm. men in the church, specifically mm-hmm. um, in the era that I grew up in, they were called armor bearers. And it was it was it was supposed to be like this thing where uh, these young boys were carrying the shield of this priest or this prophet, and it was supposed to be something that was very honorable, and everybody wanted to do it, but it was only young boys that could do it. Mm. Now that I'm older, I know why. You know <laughs> what I mean? I'm just like, oh, okay, so uh, this happens. Yeah. This happens a lot. So I'm not surprised that that's being defended because there's so many. I'm not surprised that they're using the Bible to defend it because I I grew up in that and mm-hmm. I saw how it was justified and now mm-hmm. that I'm older and wiser, I, I it's it still sickens me. Yeah. It still sickens me to this day because I'm just like wow, this happens all, all the time, time. to mm-hmm. young women and to young men and that is why especially our generation and younger people don't want to go to church like you know it's you don't want to be a part of something that has been so abusive and although there are a lot of churches that aren't abusive there hasn't been anything done mm-hmm. there right. hasn't been you know the whole christian community i guess come together and denounce this and say this is what we'll do to make it right right they'll you move know? a priest to like another they'll church move a priest to another yeah. church mm-hmm. it's like no right. come together as a church and be like he needs to be prosecuted protect those children but it it doesn't it doesn't happen, and Hopefully. I'm not surprised. I hope, like, this purge that we're going through now will spread yeah. to the know, church. Yeah, it, it needs other, to. All re- industries. All, all parts. You know? Yeah, all parts. It really needs to. And I um, I was watching an interview, and I, I forget the lady who was talking about it, but she was saying, I'm glad that actresses are speaking out about the sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about the housekeepers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, they experience not only oh, assault, God. but they also experience sexual harassment as well because they are prey to these predatory men. But also, was it like a thousands of years ago when Mary was born, like 14 or 13? Like, that was middle-aged back then. Yeah, and they were. All, it was also a lot of incest in the Bible. We don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. We don't talk about that. How did Adam and Eve create all of us? There was a lot of incest. 
process going on with them kids. Right. But we don't talk about that in the Bible. We're just like, let's move on. Right. <laughs> let's move on past the incest and let's just get to condemning homosexuals. It's just like, okay. Uh, and uh, I, I, another trend that I'm noticing is like Republicans are super fast to like denounce Harvey Weinstein and be like, oh, he's a Democrat. Look at him, yeah. like supporting Hillary Clinton. But with Roy Moore, they're like, you know, yeah. justifying it, of course. And then sexual harassment shouldn't be become a political issue. It's like men across the board or yeah. women across the board. Um, but uh, people who are politicizing it are people who have agendas. And I hate that there's not enough pushback against people who use like tragedies or just anything that's anything that's harmful that's being talked about mm-hmm. throughout the world. I hate that they try to politicize people's pain or people's suffering because anytime there's a mass shooting, which has been far too many, um, one is too many, but anytime there's a mass shooting, you know, the, the Republicans and the Democrats start going at it and it's libtards and it's Republicans right, and it's right. just like, people died. What are you doing? <laughs> people died. Yeah. You know, so it's, and women are being assaulted. Young boys are being, you know, men are being assaulted. It's, it's, this is, this is not a time for you to try to make it about the liberal elites right. in Hollywood. Yeah. It's like he's sick. Yeah. They're all they're sick on both sides. So what are you talking about? Just right. come together and be like this is just wrong. Stop sharing all this stuff about the one liberal who did who sexually assaulted somebody. Mm-hmm. It it him being a pedophile or him being a rapist has nothing to do with his party affiliation. Right. It's a lot going on in that, his own body or mind or whatever, right. but it has nothing to do with how he votes. And I hate that. It's Because when people do that, it lets me realize that you don't care. Mm-hmm. You have an agenda, and mm-hmm. that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You don't care about the people who have been harmed, because I get, I guarantee you the people who were you know, shot in Las Vegas and the women who were sexually assaulted by Harvey, the last thing they were thinking about was party affiliation. Right, like, right. that's not... Uh, that's not what's going on here, but people do that. They really do, and I just it, it enrages me. It enrages me because not enough people are saying this is wrong. Right. Shut up. Right. Let's come together as a nation because we all have to live here. Mm-hmm. Let's try to figure this out together and not deal with this whole party thing. But there, we are really caught up in parties, and I just I don't I don't get it because at the end of the day, we still we ought to live here together. Right. So it, there has to be some type of humanity that comes out of that at some point. But. Yeah. What, what really enraged me was in the original Washington Post article that posted that Roy Moore story. They actually had to go into like because people were saying, well, they're just Democrats or like these women are just trying to like take him like make him lose his seat and the washington post had to say well actually we looked into their voting records this woman actually voted republican a couple of times <laughs> so like sad. you know what i mean it's, it's so, so sad. sad that we couldn't so just sad. believe them we have to prove like hey maybe there probably isn't an ulterior motive here she was sexually molested at 14 <laughs> but she also voted republican it's, what yeah why does that even matter there go. and it's sad that people need that uh to believe right <sighs> Moving on. Downer. (laughs) (laughs) Lord, this show is so intense. Uh. Oh, yeah. We need to do self-care after this show. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to Knott's Berry Farm. So our first historical lesson. um, This is about how American culture tends to have this weird fixation on sexualizing young girls and infantilizing adult women. And one of the ways that this trend started was through shaving. And I'm going to explain how and why. 
Uh, so today, more than 99% of American women voluntarily get rid of body hair, which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, in in our lifetime, a woman will spend 72 days shaving her legs, which is about t- 10 weeks. Wow. And you'll spend over $10,000 in your lifetime shaving your legs. And if you wax, you'll spend more than $23,000. I mean, that is, that's a Honda Accord. Yeah. <laughs> Or like a year of college tuition at an yeah. in-state school, um, which is insane. So, but for the most part, I think a majority of us just think of this as like a volu- involuntary thing that we just automatically do. Mm-hmm. Like I know I did as soon as like I saw like armpit hair or something. I was like, oh, I gotta get rid of yeah. this. Like it's just known that this is like unfeminine. Um, and it's part of like performing our gender role in society. You know, it's, you know, that's interrupting. Can I yes, just no, say yeah. that I remember being so excited <laughs> that I was getting body hair as a kid uh-huh. to immediately change. Get it rid I of it. Get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like as you were saying, I was just like, I remember. I was so happy when I got my I first know. armpit hair, and then it was just like, oh, gotta t- gotta shave it off. <laughs> right. It's not ladylike, and I'm like, I waited this long to become a woman. I know. I gotta take it off. You're so. It's like I'm a woman. Yeah, take Ew, it off. I'm a woman. <laughs> oh God. Oh. And oh, like, so and uh, biologically, that's how we're supposed to signal to people that we are now of like mature age yeah. to procreate yeah. or whatever. Just so, like, oh, nope, I but can no, procreate, but take it off. Right, we're gonna actually get rid of it so we turn back that clock. Like, yeah, we're gonna be little girls forever. <laughs> oh, <Ooh>, gosh. Oh. <laughs> yes, um, but you know, when I found out that this only started a hundred years ago. And when I found that out, I got so pissed. Um, but basically, a man named Gillette came out with the first woman's razor in 1915. Of course, a man. <laughs> of course. <laughs> this is how you need to look. Let me create something. <laughs> uh, and like this was 10 years after he created the first safety razor for men, mm-hmm. which was popular and successful. Um, so he's like, oh, I'm going to do this for women. Um, and... There wasn't a market for it yet. So, like, they had to create that market with mm-hmm. ads. And one of the ads for the Milady Decolette <laughs> Gillette. That was the commercial? <laughs> that was the name of their razor. Milady? Milady. M-I-L-A-T-Y. Uh. Um, the ad said, quote, A feature of good dressing and good grooming is to keep the underarm white and smooth. Well, we know who it was for. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, um, so the reason that you're first seeing an underarm is because fashions were changing around that time as well. Mm-hmm. They went from very stuffy, like buttoned up Victorian dresses to flapper sleeveless oh, yeah, dresses yeah, yeah. that mm-hmm. were, that was a popular fashion in Paris at the time. So it came over here. Women started like exposing their underarms and like, as soon as that happened, we were like attacking, like what's wrong with their body? Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. And one of the ads said, sleeveless dresses, the thinnest of silk hose, and knee-length skirts make superfluous hair an embarrassment. So just, like, body shaming you out of your hair as soon as it became seen, basically. Um, And, you know, why did they do this? It was based off money. Like, they realized there's this new untapped market of women Mm -hmm. and their new role as consumers. Because to put that in a little bit of context, this was post- 
the American Industrial Revolution where women were having jobs for the first time. Mm -hmm. They had some disposable income. People created city centers to all live together. And so they have this income, and they wanted to exploit this right away. And how do we have proof of this? Gillette wrote a bunch of books. Um, a number of them were socialist theory books, but in The People's Corporation, he said the, quote, science of invention and technique are employed in the service of profit, not in that of the public. So it's like, this isn't for, you know, your own good. It's like, yeah. we want to make money. Um, and basically invented a new anxiety for us to have and a new shame so that yeah. we could get rich. And they couldn't do this alone. They had they used the help of women's magazines to help spread their message. Mm -hmm. And the ladies' home journal publisher and marketer, Cyrus Curtis, said to his advertisers, do you know why we publish Ladies' Home Journal? The editor thinks it is for the benefit of American women. That is an illusion. The real reason, the publisher's reason, is to give you people, the advertisers he was talking to, who manufacture things that American women want and buy, a chance to tell them about your products. <laughs> and, like, look what we have today. We have, like, Vogue, which is, like, 300 pages, yeah. but it's, like, 80% ads, yes. you know? And, like, yes. you hear what they say about TV shows sometimes. It's like, well, it's a 22 minutes to basically sell mm -hmm. soap. Yeah, you know, it's true. Uh, and Cosmo doesn't really want us to learn like twenty five new ways to blow him away in bed. It's like no, we want <laughs> they want to sell us like razors and yeah. shaving cream. Um, so I wonder, do they what? have? I see. I, I I don't remember ever looking at a men's magazine. <laughs> Sorry, um, but do they have advertisements? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. They definitely. I think men are also starting to shave and as much, or get rid of body hair, yeah. almost e as equal as women. You know what? I do remember. I looked at like some Fit Fit Man magazine, and it was like a bunch of ads for like muscle milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they so, yeah, definitely the get it too. Yeah, um, and some of the women uh, or some of the people that were behind like magazines were also women so it wasn't just all men doing yeah. it but like women were also complicit in mm -hmm. this you know um and in case you're wondering like oh well what if they were just like feeding a market that like wanted it and they were just like providing the invention um in the early ads they were actually educating women on how to shave so it's not like european women were immigrating here like with their timeless like shaving ritual mm -hmm. um these ads were actually teaching them like for instance uh, there were ads called free talk on superfluous hair how actresses remove hair from their underarms and how to remove hair in five minutes so it's not like so it's definitely something that was new to all these women and mm -hmm. they had to show them how to use this new product that they were hawking um so basically you know the Women's Fashion, Ads, Gillette, Ladies Home Journal, and other magazines yeah. all colluded to like prey on women's mm -hmm. anxieties. And there's even this really funny ad that was in the 30s that was um, a picture of a couple at a dinner table and they're like whispering to each other. And then in the background, you see like this woman sitting at her own table all alone and like looking down, like really dejected. And above her, her head, it says, Unloved! Exclamation point. And the ad has the, the couple, they're like talking to each other. They're like, What's her problem? Why does she have hair? Why does she have a mustache? <laughs> it was like so, and it was like how to not be lonely or something about loneliness on the ad. So it's like, God, they just like went straight to like. Oh, God. <sighs> oh, that's that. I know. Unloved. I know. Jeez. 
it's so it's no surprise that by like the 1920s it was basically considered un-American to have <laughs> hairy armpits. So it was like support your troops, pay your taxes, shave your armpits. Oh, like God. they could have had a Norman Walkwell painting of, <laughs> of like a woman shaving her armpits. Oh. Um, and regarding this whole era, Jennifer Scallion, who was a professor of gender and women's studies at Bowdoin College, shared with Chicago Tribune, you see this kind of transformation of the female body, that women are increasingly to be looked at. There's sort of the promise that more and more women can again access, oh, sorry, that um, there's sort of the promise that more and more women can gain access to beauty if they engage in these practices, like shaving their armpits. Breaking further away from the Victorian ideals of covering up and acting like prudent hidden women females seemingly felt a bigger need to appear as beautiful as possible in public. So this is where you're starting to see that shift of like yeah. the male gaze on the women and like yeah. how we have to kind of what's considered feminine to present. Mm. And it changes all the time with them. <sighs> right. So we also have to check in with the men and be like, what is sexy today? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so... Then we move on to shaving your legs, mm -hmm. but it was a lot um, harder to convince women to shave their legs. Oh, good. They uh, put back on something. Yeah. You get my armpits, not, <laughs> not my, my legs. legs. Yeah. Um, but basically, that's because we had uh, tights or, yeah. or nylons or stockings, mm -hmm. um, so that could hide the hair. Um, but then World War II happened, and there's a shortage of nylons. And women had to were kind of forced to go bare legged more often, and then not only that, there was a huge popular pinup called Betty Grable. Oh yeah, yeah. And so she's known for her iconic like one piece bathing suit mm -hmm. and high heels and her like bare legs. Yeah. And she sold five million copies of this photo, and all the men and troops like had this like pinup, and women felt like oh well, then that like shaving your legs became all the rage mm -hmm. because that was considered sexy. And um, some women thought that this was actually, like, partly their patriotic duty. Like, it was kind of seen as, like, to support and, like, keep the morale up for mm -hmm. troops was, like, to look beautiful. Aww. I know. That's so, got so much work to <laughs> do. And by 1964, there was a survey that indicated that 98% of American women aged 15 to 44 were, were now routinely shaving their legs. So by 1964. As soon as you get the hair, exactly. take it off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Living that one moment, just like, I have a full uh, body hair. Yeah. Now I have to take it off, because now I'm a woman. <laughs> right. Now I'm a woman. I got to be good. Now, you said it before, now that I'm a woman, I got to look like a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, um, sick. Yes, and so what part of the body is next? Wait. We have armpits, we have mustaches, we have legs. What, there's where what what do you think? The is vagina next? exactly. <laughs> Aww. So um in the sixties and seventies you start you started to have feminists who were starting to reject these good, like good, norms. Good. You know, so they started grow you know, they didn't shave their armpits, they didn't shave their legs. So they were like these hairy women mm -hmm. feminists and they were fighting for Equal rights. In 1972 was when the Equal Rights Amendment, requiring females and males to be treated equally by the law, was put up for Congress. It did mm. not pass, but that's when, not. right, that's when they were fighting for it. And then in 1974, <clears throat> Hustler published their first, quote-unquote, pink shots of labial flesh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's their barely legal uh, female mm. teen body 
that was full frontally uh, nude of 18 year old girls in their in their magazine. Um, and then shortly after that, in like in 1976, Jodie Foster played a 12 year old prostitute. 1978, Brooke Shields did the same thing in Pretty Baby. Um, at that same age, they're both underage prostitutes. And um, according, yeah. yeah. According to Roger Friedland, who's a professor at NYU, the female teen fetish went mainstream after feminism rose to challenge the male predominance. Of course. And the erotic, eroticization—that's a hard word to say. The eroticization of young girls <laughs> recaptured the pure feminine, the subordinate, hairless, mm-hmm. vaginal female. Childlike. Yes, against whom a man was clearly a man. Ah. <sighs> that you know we have a pedophilia like theme I, you of this know <laughs> seriously oh, like i'm sure there's been pedophiles forever but yeah. like it went mainstream yeah. in america there's a lot the of 70s. bending to fit like the pedophiles view of how things should Ugh. be like just even the, with the whole shaving i'm just like oh okay that's what it is it's to make us appear younger Young. than we really are yeah Hmm, why would you want that? Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and it also it ties back to Hollywood because you see how these young starlets are coming up, mm-hmm. like really young. As soon as they get out of as soon as they get out of braces, yeah. you know, it's just like let's make them a star, let's put them in these uh these these gowns with their breasts being pushed up. Let's get them a boyfriend who's, uh, you know, 26 and they're like 14. And, and they accept it. Look at they Miley. Look at what yes. happened to Miley. She was Hannah Montana. She was and this pure, like, Disney nowhere. person. And then she's, like, naked on a wrecking ball like, and twerking. Yeah, yeah, like, that's how you're supposed to, like, move to the next stage of your career. I remember years ago watching um, e-, e! News, I believe, and I also saw it a lot on magazines. They were saying how Lindsay Lohan and I think Wilma Valderrama, mm-hmm. how they were like the new Hollywood it couple. Yeah. She was sixteen and he was oh, twenty six. Oh no! Yes, I didn't and, I, and I, it was it was that. weird to me then, and it's still <sighs> weird to me now. But Hollywood was very complicit. They were right. putting it on magazines. You know, grown women were, like, covering this story. And I get it. Mm. It's your job. Mm. But I'm just like, you have to feel some sort of way saying that this is, like, a hot new couple. This kid, right. she just did, like, Freaky Friday. And it's, like, hot wow. new couple. Here's a picture of them in Barbados. Where what? are her parents? But that that's the thing. It's... It's this image of just in society in general where the men can age, they can be really, really old, but it'll always be sexy for them to be with someone who is significantly younger than them. Mm-hmm. But it's only the male gaze who, who believes that because I remember thinking, and I was a kid, thinking that it was really, you know, I, I was thinking that I was doing something because like older guys wanted to date me. Mm-hmm. But this was happening when I was a teenager, when I was really young. I used to get like a, a lot of older men like mm. comment, and I just felt mm. really, really Ugh. weird. But when I became a teenager, it all of a sudden became like, oh, this is like a badge of honor. Yeah. This thirty-two-year-old guy, exactly. you know, wants to take me to my soft hop. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm an adult, I'm just like, oh, I should have called the cops. The <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, it's 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 how we it's how we view things. It's it's okay for that's why the Roy Moore people, his supporters, yep. are just like, oh no, it's very normal because we normalize it. Exactly, we normalize really young girls being with very old men and it's like a badge it's hot when they do it right it's a it's a badge of honor to be like well i'm with a ton of young people like trying to um 
find the age of consent in their, you know, um, state or wherever they were at. And they were just, oh, this is the age of consent. This is the age of consent. And then I forget her name, but another woman on Twitter, she started this um, Me at 14. Mm. Oh. So she shared a picture of herself. She was, I think it was her holding a babysitter's club book. And she, <laughs> and then she uh, shared a, a picture next to that of her diary where she was writing about how she was so heartbroken because a guy, like, turned her down for, like, one of their dances. Yeah. And she was like, this was me at 14. In no way was I able to consent to be in a relationship with right? a 32-year-old man. Yes. But that we have to change that idea because there are a lot of women who still support that. Mm-hmm. A lot of old school women, too, because they were, they were these very young girls who married these older men because that is mm-hmm. what was seen as acceptable then. Right. And it, it's wrong. I remember my one of my really good friends in uh, the eighth, no, seventh grade. Mm-hmm. She was telling us all about her boyfriend, mm-hmm. who was, I think he was like 24 at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were like gathering around thinking that it was like the hottest thing <sighs> ever. We were just like, oh my goodness. He's well, he's taking me here. He can drink. He was getting me liquor. And we were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and like, I yeah. think back, and I think back, I always think about her now because the relationship, it turned out to be very abusive and just, he was a predator and he had her doing things that a predator would have mm-hmm. a young girl do. And uh, essentially, you know, destroy that young girl's life. But I just remember Mm. thinking that this was so hot. And I'm like, what, 13, 12? And I'm just like, oh, yes, girl. I know. But that is how our minds are. And we were all thinking, like, we were all complicit. Right. Because we were all taught to believe that if an older man wants, you know, some kind of relationship with Mm -hmm. you, it's like a badge of honor. You're doing something right. You're developing Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. And if you even think, if you look at our movies, Mm -hmm. we sex our young girls up and we put them like, it's always the hot girl of the movie is always this really young girl Mm -hmm. in like a tank top Mm -hmm. with her nipples showing and like, you know, these shorts. And it's just like, oh, she's the hot girl of the school. Yes. And it's like, and they try to like, they try to scapegoat it by looking looking at this young girl, this hot young girl, through the gaze of, like, a younger guy. But mm-hmm. it's like, who, what audience is this for? Right. Because although the protagonist or whatever is supposed to be, like, 13 looking at this girl, mm-hmm. she's still very young and y'all have her sexed up. So who was, who was taking these kids to see the movies? We all know what you're doing. You're right. throwing in this kind of titillation with kids to get people to come to the movies. And right. it's always advertised like that. And it's just... It's just disgusting. It's gross. It, it like all these women, even like these teenage women, like give the sexual like gaze to the camera because mm-hmm. that's what they yeah. want. Um, and I think that's partly why all these men feel entitled to women and entitled mm-hmm. to girlfriends. Like I don't know if you saw the Reddit had to um, stop their channel called Incel, which is involuntarily celibate. It was forty thousand men who felt like. I'm a nice guy. Why aren't these bitches sleeping with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. There you go. But they all feel, you know, this male gaze and like all these women are so sexually available and, and like wanting sex all the time and so sexualized that like, well, I, where's mine? Like yeah. I should get one of those. Yeah. Where's my hot girl I can beat up on and rape <laughs> and then marry and have good American children? It's just like, what is being sold? But I think it, it, it's probably a whole nother topic. But I think it also goes back to not just our films, um, not just the men that we, you know, allow to become president. It also goes back to like porn. Porn. And how women are treated yeah. in porn. And it's just... It's our music. Our music. Yep. It's all around it's us. E- it's in e- our, our advertisements. It's yes. co- commercials, it's in shows. everything. Rom-coms where it's like, oh, this she said no, but hey, it's mm-hmm. romantic to keep yeah. pursuing this. No, you're stalking her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah A woman exactly. will say and be like, this is not cute, but that's 
that's what we say when we become older and we realize all the trauma that we have received as mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. and we're like this is not okay yeah but when we're coming up we're taught that this is okay yeah if if we're not learning it in our homes we're learning it in our schools we're learning it on our tv you yeah. know yeah. we're learning it by the influencers around us mm-hmm. and it's just very unfortunate but it also speaks to why hollywood likes you know i always used to think when i first came out here i was just like oh my god it's gonna be really really hard because everybody was saying that she should have came out here at 15. Everybody who came up here at 15 is like really blowing up. And uh, I was casting directors, everybody no, was saying no. that to me. And what, what I realized is that Hollywood likes to make stars of very young women and make stars of older men for this reason. Because with very young women, we are easily we are allowed to be manipulated into doing things. Mm-hmm. There are countless actresses who who later on in interviews says who 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 later in interviews would say I wish I would have never did that sex scene I didn't mm-hmm. feel comfortable doing that mm-hmm. I wish I would have never exposed my body I didn't feel comfortable doing that and there's so many things that they say they didn't feel comfortable doing and even uh, with the whole Harvey Weinstein thing there are a lot of women who say I didn't feel comfortable doing it but I didn't want to ruin my career mm-hmm. and it's very easy to manipulate a woman who is very young who who is still trying to figure out how life works because you're realizing that the things that you thought were okay mm-hmm. are no longer okay mm-hmm. because you're seeing it from a different you have this wisdom and you're seeing it from a very different point of view right. so a 16 year old Lindsay Lohan thinks it's really hot that somebody in their mid-20s is coming after them who's also like this big star mm-hmm. but when you get older you're just like I probably shouldn't I have went out a with child. him and then you get mad at the people around you the older people around you who okay that because they wanted this opportunity right. for you but with with older men they like to they like they like to make older guys stars because it it feeds off that idea that very young women are attracted to very older men who have it all together. Rarely do you see in movies where it's like two people of the same age, like falling in love and making it happen. It's always some older girl. It's always some younger girl who's just like the men of my age are like doofuses and they're all dirty and potheads. Mm-hmm. And then this older gentleman who <laughs> smells good and has his life together comes into the movie and it's just like that's who I need to be with. Mm-hmm. But you don't realize that when you're at that age, you're just like, oh, this is this is normal right. and then you get older you're just like there was nothing wrong with that dude <laughs> he had a roommate he should have he was 22 it's very you know you rarely see like an age appropriate couple never like, there was never there was a graph of like jennifer lawrence's age and the her leading men girl you know it just kept getting older and older older jennifer lawrence has been playing 40 since she was 19 <laughs> she keeps on getting these older guys and move like it's love interest and it's it's so weird to me yeah. It's so weird. It's always acceptable for her to just be felt up and loved on by these men pushing 60. Mm-hmm. But it's normal. I know. That's what we do. It's normal. Going back to porn for a second. <laughs> um, Let's. Um, uh, porn stars started to like don this like crotchless hair look in the 80s. And in 1987, the Brazilian sisters, they call themselves, opened up a Brazilian wax shop to New Yorkers. Um, but it didn't really go mainstream until 13 years later in 2000 when Sex in the City's Carrie Bradshaw went in and got her Brazilian wax. And then it was, like, super popular. That's true. I don't remember hearing yeah. about Brazilian waxes for, like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, really, I, re, I really remember hearing about it just recently. Like, how it's being such a huge... Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. And so wait, yeah. Sex in the City did that? 
Sex and the City, and also, um, also, uh, 1999, Gwyneth Paltrow, like, made a statement saying, like, I love Brazilian waxes, wow. too. So, like, yeah, these influencers or whatever, yeah. and Sex mm-hmm. and the City. Um, and it's really gross. It's now to the fact that, like, girls as young as eight years old are getting waxed. Yes. Um, uh, one salon ran a deal offering 50% off the first wax for any girl 15 years old or younger in Florida and New York. Complicit. We're all yeah. complicit. We're <laughs> so all complicit. Gross. Um, and then internet pornography really solidified this image. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's like thirty uh, percent of the internet is apparently taken up by porn. Oh, understandable. <laughs> and um, porn is also a form of sex education in the Western world. And so this that look became the look in porn. I mean, we're kind of seeing a, a, a pendulum swing backwards. Mm-hmm. Like you, there was an American Apparel mannequins who had merkins. And What's like, that? oh, it's like um, it's a what do you? Oh, it's like a fur carpet. <laughs> like it's like what um, <laughs> I don't know how to Where are you that. going? It's like it's supposed to be like a wig for your crotch, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, American Apparel created yeah. that. Yeah. So they had like, if you look it up, it's like they have like sheer underwear, but then like these this like Ooh. a lot of like hair coming out. On, oh, okay. Like through and through off the sides, um, and like there's an episode of Broad City where one of the guys was like, "I hope you have a full bush," because you know and stuff. So it's like it. I don't know. It's yeah. It, there's kind of pushback now. Yeah. Um, against doing that, but um, but yeah, that's partly how this like sexualization of like young women mm-hmm. um came became mainstream. Well, I, one thing I, I did want to talk about is um, why no shaving for men. Well, men like, why shave. do they shave their face but not their... Why, why do we have to shave our armpits? I know. Like, did, why? I mean, originally it was the, the, the flapper dresses were sleeveless, mm-hmm. and so, like, you could see the armpit hair. Um, you didn't see men's armpit hair for a long okay. time, maybe. But, yeah, I don't know why. It's like, That's why, why I, choose us? Because of dresses? Well, we had that new disposable income, and he invented that lady razor. Yeah. So he was like, hey, let's Marketing. make them... Yeah. There are so many things in America just alone that we think like have such stronger meanings, and it just goes back to an advertiser. <laughs> yeah, created something exactly. which is like this is how you do things, and you go back to just feel like an idiot. Like, oh, I thought this was just something that that was cultural or that we do as Americans. Right. No, and ad- we are owned oh, by advertisers. Totally, we are so easily we manipulated. Are a huge company. <laughs> we're a huge. Co- we're not a nation. We're a huge right. corporate company. But Adam ruins Ooh. everything. Like had the um, engagement ring that was all started by yes, De Beers, and yes. like Listerine was all like halitosis was made up, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. or it was or yeah, I think it was halitosis. Um, but I want to say I stopped shaving my armpits because of when yes! I found this out like two years Girl ago. Power. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, like, I do not miss the red bumps, the yeah. itchiness, mm-hmm. like the like my skin was always like peeling, Ooh. and like. It definitely, I'm still getting used to it. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes, like, when I first saw in the mirror or something, I was like, ew, yeah. that's gross. Yeah, because you're conditioned. It, totally. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, my nieces make fun of me. And um, oh. e- they even knew at, like, four that that was weird. Like, how do they know that at that age? But it happened to us as kids. We were just <laughs> right. like, okay, this has to go. Right. Like, nobody told us. It was just like, it has to go. Yeah. Because it's normalized. Right. Um, but I, I do still feel self-conscious sometimes. Like if I wear a sleeveless a tank mm-hmm. top, I'm like, or like if I'm in a yoga class or something and like yeah. I'm showing it. And so 
I don't know. It's, it's been a journey. It. Yeah. You're fighting through <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's something that we don't enjoy doing. No, yeah. We don't enjoy it, doing it. Yes. So women, I'm sorry if you don't have four seasons. We have four seasons, we're just like, oh, as soon as it starts getting cold in Philly, I'm done with the razor. <laughs> I'm done with the razor. As soon as, you know, the sun starts coming out again and gets a little warm, it's like, ugh. Uh, yeah, no. Let me start tearing my body up <laughs> <laughs> to be accepted into society. It's so, we do not enjoy doing it no. at all. No, no. Um, and but I I have a very clear memory of being on the playground, and I was in eighth grade, and these guys were all gathered around this poor girl who had hairy legs, and they were all taunting her and making fun of her, and she was just reading her book and like trying to. I was like, she was strong, but I was like, oh my god, I was like, I I, I have to shave my legs or else yeah. I'm gonna be yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Monique, she. Um... And this is nothing. When you're dark skin, you don't shave. You don't shave your legs. She's mm-hmm. like, nobody's going to see it. But she was on a red carpet doing, like, the Oscar, you know, the Oscar dance. You know, you got to go to all these things. And they, t- you know, you know these HD cameras. They took a picture of her legs. And HD cameras and under oh, the lights God. saw that her legs were really hairy. No. And it was all of a sudden the black community wanted black women to shave the legs. And we were like, hell no. Yeah. Leave that to the light-skinned ones. We don't do that. <laughs> We've never done that, so do not start that over here. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. It was a huge thing about her not shaving her legs on the red carpet. And she was like, excuse me, I'm dark. You can't see it. Oh, I didn't know you that. You just had a really good camera. <laughs> I didn't know that in the black community you don't shave your legs. Oh, if you're dark-skinned, no. The light ones That's... have to. <laughs> if you're dark-skinned... No, who's going to get an HD camera on my legs? Okay, but I'm but I'm telling you, like that that's my fear. I'm like, if I ever am blessed to be on like a red carpet, I'm shaving. That's the first time oh, I'll shave or like wipe my legs because what Monique went through. Uh, you can look it up, but if you just Monique shaving legs and it's like this mm. huge picture of her legs and they look yes. so hairy under those lights in the camera and it's. It's 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 Shaming. just a shame, Shaming but them. yeah, I've never shaved my legs. My sisters who are lighter than me have always had to because uh, it's just like, oh, we can see the hair, yeah. so you're not quite a woman uh, until you take it off. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if I get on the red carpet, girl, <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna be sharing my hairy legs all over Twitter, no. Uh, uh, or you can start a hashtag. Hashtag hairy legs. <laughs> hairy and proud. I'll be the first. <laughs> hairy and proud. Um, it Anyways. is hard being a woman. Yes, it is. <laughs> Circling back to the whole Harvey Weinstein sexual uh, assault allegations and fiasco that happened, I also wanted to talk about somebody really important to the women's movement, Miss Anita Hill. Yes. She was um, the first, at, and at that time, only woman to come out against Clarence uh he wasn't he wasn't declared justice at the time, but he was up for nom- he was nominated to be the next Supreme Court justice. And um, what I found out about this, and um, I think that's a whole nother podcast, was that Anita Hill was brought into this because of the FBI. What? Like it was made to seem like back in the day that this black woman was trying to take down a black man from a re- from a notable position. Mm-hmm. But the FBI brought Anita Hill into this because he was being he was about to be declared the next Supreme Court justice. And the FBI went back into files where she had she had brought up that he had sexually harassed her. But it it but the media made it seem like or the Senate made it seem like she was doing this because he was about to be 
you know, the next Supreme Court justice. So she just came out with the story to tear him down. But the FBI actually brought her to the forefront because they saw that she had reported him before about sexual harassment. They just went back into files. I, I think just with maybe every candidate, you have to like do some research. I don't know why the FBI got involved, but they were the one to, who brought to light Anita Hill test that they were the ones who brought to light that Anita Hill accused him of sexually harassing her. Is it like they're doing their due diligence, like in order to like vet this guy properly, or is it because they didn't want him to become the? Justice? See, that's the thing. I I'm not I'm not sure if they if it was an agenda, or if it was something that they normally do because mm-hmm. I I couldn't find any other. I couldn't find anything else where the FBI was doing that to another uh, candidate. Mm. And it was just weird to me because mm. I, I felt like, uh, I mean, it was just like, they did this to MLK. You know what I mean? I just mm. felt like, why are you getting involved in this? But regardless. Was he the first black man to be? Yeah. Oh, yes. So it's just like, hmm. Don't come after me, FBI. <laughs> I'm just telling the truth. So anyway, they got involved. And because of that, she was brought to the forefront and she had already said this before. And so she was just like, I don't know where this is coming out now. I already said it, but they were just like, okay, uh, before he can be declared the next Supreme court justice, we have to figure out what really happened here. So, um, Anita was the assistant. Anita was the assistant to uh, Clarence Thomas at the time at the equal opportunity commission. And one thing I wanted to say about that is that I noticed that a lot of, uh, predators, they they come off as like supporters and they um mm. you know they they come off as supporters but they're a lot of times they're using these grounds as like hunting grounds uh. you know what i mean cuz if you think with the whole Louis CK thing uh. he was like this you know this right. male feminist right. and then all these stories are coming out about him you know masturbating in front of women so it's just like i'm not surprised that he was working at you know the equal opportunity commission and harassing women there because later women uh, came out and said that he had did the same thing to them too, but they were afraid to come out because of what happened to Anita. Anyway, well, Anita was uh, brought up by the Senate to actually, they wanted to, they wanted to hear what actually what she had to say about Clarence before he was declared, but I don't know why because they declared him anyway. But she spoke about how as her, as his assistant, she was sexually harassed by him. And one, the only thing I could remember, the only thing I remember hearing about this case was the whole Coke can. Do you remember that whole thing? Mm -hmm. Well, he, one of the things, one of the many things that he did to her that she spoke about was the fact that she came into his office and he had like his pubic hair on a Coke can. Ew. (laughs) I remember that. It was a huge thing. And he would say to her, whose pubic hair is that on the Shut. coke can? Yes. But she has said so many other things that he was, like, you know, offering. Um, she 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 said so many other things about that, but the only thing they picked up on was the cocaine. Like, she mm-hmm. said that he would sexually harass her, that he would um, continue to ask sexual favors from her, that he would tell her about how big he was mm-hmm. and how uh, women liked having sex with him. But the only thing that was, like, zeroed in on mm-hmm. was the whole Coke can thing. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why I remember that is because there were a lot of, you know, late-like comedians making that joke about, uh. like, this whole Coke can thing became, like, a huge joke. Uh, a moment that was already traumatizing to her became, like, a huge mm-hmm. joke uh, within uh, the American media. And she spoke about that, and she was... she. Anita Hill at the time, to me, looked like somebody who was just very strong. Mm-hmm. Like that, like the, what she was, what she had to deal with after that, 
I, I mean, I just I just look up to her because when she, while she was going through that, the Senate was saying to her, well, why did you follow him after, if he sexually harassed you? Why did you follow him to his next job? And she mm. was just like, well, that was a huge career opportunity for me. And I thought that he would stop. I thought that, mm. you know, it wouldn't go on. I, I thought that I could protect myself from it. And if you... And if you listen to the Harvey Weinstein, you know, if you listen to the woman who accused Harvey Weinstein of sexual assault and of sexual harassment, they say the same thing. Mm -hmm. It was my career. Like, you you sacrifice everything that you've worked for. Mm -hmm. You sacrifice that because this powerful predator, you know, may take that opportunity away from you or will smear that for you or because they're in this situation or, or because they're where you're working, you don't want to go there. So do you sacrifice your career or do you go there or you... Do you sacrifice your career or do you still deal with the harassment and think that you're strong enough to take it or protect yourself from it? How many women have to go through that? Mm -hmm. Like we all have been there where it's just like, if I make sure that if I'm working with him in the same shift, I just make sure that I'm around a lot of people. We all are figuring out how to protect mm -hmm. ourselves in certain ways because we do not want to we do not want to risk our careers. Right. And so that's what she was saying. She was like, yes, I followed him to another job because it was a great career opportunity for me. But she was made out to be a liar, and he was still confirmed. The Senate mm -hmm. still confirmed him. And even after he was confirmed, she her whole entire life was put out um, in this in this trial. She was basically put on trial. Clarence Thomas was not. She became, like, the anti-black woman, black per Like, she was made to be... She was made to be very anti-black because it was put out there that this black woman was taking down a black mm -hmm. man, especially after Clarence Thomas said that this was like, that he felt like this trial was like a lynching for him. Oh, so when geez. he said that, you know, hot topic word, word, that trigger word, it went out throughout the black community and it was just uh -uh. like, why would she do this? We're going to get our first Supreme Court justice. Like, why would she tear down this black man? And it became... Pitting them against each pitting, other. Pitting them against <laughs> each other. And then it became a whole conservative and liberal issue because Clarence Thomas was saying that white liberals put Anita Hill up to this he that um they they use the black woman against the black man they don't want him to succeed and this is all the white liberal now it's the white liberals and so she was just really you know she took a, a she she was basically raked through the coals basically and it they didn't even need to have a trial at that point because it was already put out that she was just like not credible and there was nothing really about it. The only thing that they could use against her was that she followed him to another job. And she's just like, this is my career. This is mm -hmm. what I've worked so hard for. I felt like I could protect myself. I felt like it was, you know, it, she did what she had to do for her mm -hmm. career. Mm -hmm. Like so many men and women do when you're faced with somebody who is a powerful predator. So, um, so after the trial, it was also said that Anita Hill was going after um, – Clarence Thomas because she was upset that he was married to a white woman. Mm. So it became this whole thing of this angry black woman who was mad at the black man for getting with a white woman. That is why. So everything was used against her. Anita Hill recently spoke at uh, CNN's town hall called The Tipping Point Sexual Harassment in America. And when she spoke, she said that the response to me concerning my trial with Clarence Thomas had to do with 
my race. Mm. So that was that was the whole thing. Like her case in her own words was mainly about her race. It was main it was mainly about her race and her sex because her sex was used against her within the black community and then her race was used against her within the traditional white American community. It was, you know, she was angry about this white woman to be the white woman are brought up again. So mm-hmm. she was mad about this white woman. And then it was she didn't want to see this black man succeed. And nobody really listened to what she had to say. And she didn't even want to come out against him. It was the FBI who brought her into this. So that was overlooked. It was just like, why Why would she do this? Like we talked about, like we talked about with Roy Moore. Like, why are you doing this now? Why are you saying this now? And nobody listened to the fact that she was just like, I didn't bring this up. Mm-hmm. I was called into this because he's about to be declared the next Supreme Court justice. But even after he was declared, um, he was still able to rise. Her, his wife actually even called her and asked her to apologize. And then she's just like, why do I have to apologize? I was the one who went through everything. I was the one who was the victim but was made out to be the predator. Mm-hmm. Um, she also had to go through a polygraph test. And that was something that she was... She, she also had to go to, through a polygraph test, and that was something that she was eager to do. However, although her results came out that she was believable, then it was, well, polygraph tests, or, you know, anybody can cheat them. So there was, mm. n- there was no way that she could really win. She wasn't set up to win. She was actually set up to fail. So after the case, she really had a difficult time finding work. She was harassed at the job that um, she was a professor, and she was harassed there by the conservatives there, and she actually ended up having to leave that job because of the harassment. She was also harassed by just the supporters of Clarence Thomas, and um, a lot of people were calling her um, basically like a bed winch for the liberal, the white liberal community. She was able to find work eventually at Brandeis Universities um, at the Women's Study Program, where she is, where she still works today, and she still speaks about feminism. But I just wanted to bring her up because she was somebody who was very influential. Uh, within the women's movement and just somebody who I have a different perspective on now that I'm a lot older uh, because I guess <laughs> I guess she was to me like an OJ because I looked at OJ a lot differently because of the adult influences around me. He was like a hero kind of and I didn't know quite why uh, the black people around me were celebrating him getting off but now that I'm older I realize I'm just like ah oh, that's gross. The same thing with Anita Hill. I feel bad that I thought these negative things about her but mm-hmm. it was this it was this image and this idea of this black woman trying to tear down a very uh, black man on the up and up mm-hmm. and it creates a lot of tension within the black community and I think that that's something that uh, should be discussed more because if you look at if you look at the 60s and the 70s coming out of the 70s there was like this whole black love revolution with the uh, within the black community and then you go into the 80s and there's like this this um this teardown of that kind of relationship and this and this idea and this image of the black woman trying to tear down a black man mainly because of feminism. And if you notice, I don't know if you notice that, but I notice within the black community that, that there are certain black men who have a problem with black women and feminism and it's always brought up a lot. And that's because coming out of that black love movement, black women just wanted to be independent and they were, no, you know, they were taking on more roles and, they just wanted to have kind of an equal opportunity. They they just wanted to be equal within the relationship because within the black love movement, there wasn't 
there was this black love, but there was this thing where the black man was king and the black woman was queen, but she knew her place. So with that, coming out of that, coming out of the black love movement and into the 80s with this whole idea of the black woman wanting to be equal to the man, that's the image and idea that Anita Hill kind of fell into, that she wanted to take his place, so that's why she wanted to do that. And I grew up kind of thinking differently of her. And now that I'm older, I see her a lot differently. So um, she is definitely somebody who who kind of, she is definitely somebody who was a sacrifice for a much larger movement. So thank you, yeah. Anita Hill. <laughs> yeah, and a lot that's coming out with these current accusations is like, well, why didn't these women come out sooner? Why is it taking so long? And it's like, yeah. well, because of things that like happened to Anita Hill. Yeah. It's like as soon as you come forward, not, it wasn't until, I want to say like Roger Ailes, but also Bill O'Reilly, like when it became about money, losing money, yes. that's when they yes. there was actually mm-hmm. consequences um, to letting these predators stay mm-hmm. in the company. So, uh, you know, up until then, like, if any woman came forward, they get death threats, they yeah. get rape threats, they get chased out of their jobs, they mm-hmm. can't work, you know, so... Um, it's not, for a lot of women, it's not worth it. You have so much to lose. You really, really do, because we're taught to not believe women right. until there's, like, proof. And even when there's proof, it's still, well, we don't want to ruin his life. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. We don't want to ruin his life <laughs> for 20 minutes of action. Career. Yeah. Uh. That always happens. So, um, you know, bravo to the women and, and the and men that, who yeah. are speaking up, because... It is. It's a bigger risk to speak right. up than it is to stay silent. Yes, it and really, really is. Like because even after, um, even after the whole Anita Hill uh, trial or whatever, because I say Anita Hill trial because it wasn't a trial for Clarence Thomas. Even after that, more women came out. Like Joe Aberson mm-hmm. wrote a book about uh, with the women who accused Clarence Thomas of uh, sexual assault, um, sexual harassment uh, per se, and um, that still didn't help. That mm. book was like buried. Nobody knows about it. It was like buried, and mm. it it still didn't help Anita because she still had to go through all of that. And to this day, um, she's still somebody who is very questionable when this comes up because it's just like, why would you do that now? Why would you say this to, about this guy who's doing such good work? So it's just like, and it happens a lot in people of color communities. It's just when when a person of color, a man of color, is excelling. You, you fight with, do I want to speak out against this terrible person mm-hmm. who is, because of his race, is seen as somebody for the whole community? Mm-hmm. Because people of color can't be individuals. It's just right. like, oh my goodness, first black person to do this, first Asian person, nobody <laughs> says a first white guy to ever, first white woman. It's all, and even when it's um, a white woman, it's first woman. Did you know? Do you oh, notice that it's like first yeah, woman? Right. The race is never put in front, but right. if it's a black person or you know a person of color, our race is always put in front of right. something that we're able to achieve despite racism. You right. know? I was like, look at this, right. what they were able to do despite you know the racism because they're the default person. Yes, <laughs> like first women to own a tech yeah. company, and then and if it was me, first black woman. Right. Like, I'm a woman too. But yeah, so that's that's the struggle that we have to deal with. It's do you want to speak out against this person? Because if I speak out against this person who is getting like this fame within the white gaze, I know that I'm going to essentially be coming after my community. Mm-hmm. If you if you do say something, you're fighting two different wars. Mm-hmm. You know, you're fighting the sexism war and then you're fighting the race war. And it's like, do you want to be that person? Right. So a lot of women of color are very silent on the terrible men in our community because we're essentially going against our race if we say something. Yes. 
Yeesh, that's Ugh. so complicated. Yeah. That's why every time there is a, a mass shooter, mm-hmm. they you know they always say like um, a male shooter came into the church and like shot all the yeah. people. But that's they how never... you know it's a white guy. <laughs> yeah, but that's like but they know. never say the race. Mm-hmm. So like maybe for the first hour or two hours, I'm like bracing myself because mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. if it's a person of color, we're gonna have to denounce that. Like speak yes. on behalf of our our whole community and say no, we do. N- we yeah. as this yep. people do got, you got to get the press conference together. This thing. We denounce it, <laughs> but when they never mention the race, and it's been like a day or even a few hours, I'm like, oh, he was white. <laughs> yeah. He was white. Yeah. When he Trump is like, God be with those people, I was like, oh, okay, he's white. <laughs> <laughs> it's mental illness, yeah. Caucasian, yeah. Caucasian, because that's like with the whole Dylan Roof when he uh, shot up that church, and uh, I believe it was North Carolina, South Carolina, the so- South Carolina. I was very, I was nervous because, you know, a lot of times when there is, when there is, when something like that happens, it's normally somebody close to the community. So mm. I'm, I'm seeing all these, because they showed the victims first and I'm like, oh my goodness, what black man then went up in that church and Oof, shot because the white, you know. would have been so. And I'm thinking about all these church scenarios and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so terrible for the black church. But when they never mentioned the name, <laughs> like they never, like they never said the name and they kept on saying shooter. And mm. I was just like. This is a white guy. <laughs> they never, they never said black man. It's always our race before anything that mm-hmm. we do, and I was just like, oh, okay, okay. Well, we never like to end the show without giving you guys some homework. So, Cynthia, what homework would you have for our listeners? I had a hard time coming up with something exactly mm-hmm. for this. Um, so, if you feel like growing out your armpit hair, your <laughs> crotch hair, grow yes. it out. See how that feels. To piggyback off of that, I would just say, believe women. That's good. Believe women. I know that there are opportunistic women. I get it. I know that there are women who have lied about men. I'm from the black community. Our men get it all the time. So I I get it and I understand. But often, um, more than not, women are telling the truth. And if you... And if there is somebody in your life who is struggling and they reveal something to you, please just believe them. Believe women because uh, we all go through... Every every woman in your life has went through something like this, has been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed. It is just the way of the world. So please believe women and um, step up to change, step up to help, step up to support, um, step up to just... if, If you're a man listening, step up to be that that protector because a lot of times men will respect other men they won't respect women so that's why a lot of times women say if if a guy is interested in us and we say oh no i have a boyfriend we say we have a boyfriend even though we don't because you you will respect the boyfriend but you won't respect me saying no so um just just be a supporter of women please just we need it especially from men who get it and men who um who want to be supportive of women, we need your voices and uh, we need your power. Yeah, that's good. And if I heard someone else say this, but like if you don't want to believe women unconditionally, believe women first. Yeah. And then. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, believe us. And read anything written by Anita Hill. Um, a lot of her books have, speak, speak about uh, what she uh, went through and um, also a very powerful books concerning women so and you can read the the me too hashtag or even yes. like the yes all woman hashtag from, yes um, or me at 14 now oh. that is eye opening 
Yeah, because I, I think a big thing that would be helpful is like building empathy and like yeah. just seeing the experiences that women we are going all go through. We all go through it. All the women in your life, your mother, your sister, your cousins, <laughs> your grandmom, your auntie, your titi, your mimo. They have all been through it. Listen, if you don't want to listen to other women, mm. listen to them. Listen mm-hmm. to the you know important women in your life and um, just know that this is something that is all too common. And I'll work to change it in any avenues that you can. Ah. Well, that's our show, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. And we will see you next time for some more history about people of color. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.